Welcome to the Data Lab podcast. I'm Brian Hills, and in this episode, I chat to Jude McCorry, Head of Business Development at the Data Lab, and Alex Hutchinson, who's a Delivery Director at an exciting new project called the Data for Children Collaborative with UNICEF. This is an initiative that's been a partnership between UNICEF, the Scottish Government, University of Edinburgh Data-Driven Innovation Programme, and is hosted by the Data Lab. So in this episode, we get into what the mission for the collaborative is, why it was created, how it's operating, and what are some of the key challenges that they're going to tackle first. And on the way, and how they're progressing, what have the lessons they've learned? Jude and Alex, welcome to the Data Lab Podcast. Thanks, Brian. Thank you. So to kick off, uh, Jude, let's start with you, because you were involved in the inception of this project a number of years ago. So tell us, um, why does this collaborative exist and what's its mission? Um long, long time ago, actually three years ago, we visited um, UNICEF in New York and we were going to talk about data collaboratives and how they work with data. What came out of the meeting with um, ourselves and also some companies we brought over from Scotland to meet with them was that they had a really good vision and idea for a data collaborative um, project on how to solve very complex problems facing children using data science but they faced problems around hiring data scientists in New York, um, mainly because of the cost of data scientists to employ them in New York itself, and also the collaboration. So if you look at the healthcare um, in the States, it's usually private healthcare. Um, everything, there's nothing central. There's, a very, there's, a, there's also a lack of collaboration between public and private industry. Uh, government as well is not as open as the government in Scotland here. So we had an idea at the meeting and said, you know, why do you need to do this in New York? Why could we not just do this in Scotland? Data science is a global language. Um, it shouldn't have to be in a specific area. And also the projects that you're looking at are not New York projects. They're from all over the world with children. So we kept the conversation going. And then the City Deal project was announced a few months later. And we looked at the scope of what pro- what kind of projects City Deal were looking at. And we thought it would be a really good fit for them. Um, but there was an additional remit within this project that it would help Scottish children, but also the work that we do would also help children all around the world. So we pitched the idea to um, City Deal team and they came back and said, in principle, really good idea, really like it. And it is definitely something that we should be involved in, it, involved in with Edinburgh. So they said they'd give us half the funding we required, but we'd have to go and look for match funding. So we tried some ideas around philanthropy and stuff as well. And it was an unproven method. Okay, it was a it was a vision that we had. So it was something has never been done before, very innovative. And most of philanthropy um, people were like, we can fund things that are proven. So then we thought, actually, this, you know, this could help Scottish government, particularly around areas of obesity, child diabetes, um, vaccinations, immunisations and stuff as well. So we put in a pitch to Scottish government and met with the team in there. And basically they said a few weeks later that they would match fund the project. So we got the funding very easily, um, too easily, but you know, it was hard work, but easier than I thought it would be because... It is something that's affecting children and everybody in Scotland's got a passion for this. Um, the Everybody we met, they really wanted to do it. Nobody asked any difficult questions and there was so much support and you know for us to make this happen. Um, so we've had really good support ongoing from City Deal, from Scottish Government and also from UNICEF as well. It took 
about 10 months for the collaborative agreement to get signed between the three parties as well, because it is a difficult thing. It was a lot of money and it is something that's never been done before as well. It is very innovative. Um, but as of last week, we have two projects signed off. So, And we've also got Alex as well, who's going to speak as well, looking after the hub. So I've passed my baby off. Great. Uh, painless. Painless. Uh, maybe it's like childbirth and you forget the pain. <laughs> but uh, we've come out the other end with something really positive. And nobody has said to us, this needs to work. That's always been the thing. It's something that's never happened. And we're not, I'm not a data scientist, but I do believe if we collaborate and we know exactly what we're trying to work on and what we're trying to prove, and it's very clear, and we've got the right people um, involved. And at the moment, there's so much goodwill and there's so much support from data scientists all over the world who want to get involved in this and also academics as well. But we need to do this in a very streamlined way. So if I take you back to the meeting in New York and you remember when you were sitting around the table with them. I mean, UNICEF, massive global mm-hmm. brand, is, you know, and everybody wants to work with them. So they get lots of approaches all the time they bat back. So how did you, in that meeting, convince them to move forward and think Scotland might be a good place to do that? I think when you're working in New York, you don't know that you're working in New York because you just have the same sort of conversations as you're having in Scotland. It's not until you get onto the streets and the noise and thing you're going, actually, I'm in New York. So it was just like a business conversation that we would have in the data lab, going, data could solve this, data can fix it. Um, and also the people that were, so Natalia that was there from UNICEF as well, there was this real can-do attitude and a shared culture like there is in the data lab as well, that it's like, well, let's try it. You know, we're not going to put pressure on ourselves. We're not going to put timelines and stuff like that. But let's suck it and see. You know, let's see if this is something that we can get other people involved in in Scotland. And we worked tirelessly, myself, uh, Lucinda and Natalia as well. Um, Natalia based in New York and UNICEF and Lucinda over here in, in Edinburgh. And then Natalia came over to to Edinburgh as well. So it wasn't a one-way thing. It wasn't me going, I'm going to push it from a data lab perspective. It was UNICEF and data lab right from the start. Great. So moving on to Alex. So you're delivery director. I am. Um, so give us an overview of kind of who's involved now uh, in the collaborative as, as you've set it up. Yes, yeah, so I have been in role as delivery director since February and as Jude alluded to, it's taken a number of months to get us to the a point of a legal agreement between the three partners um, and effectively my role within the last few months has been about establishing those relationships and building up the trust between the partners. So as Jude was saying, we've got Lucinda in the UK Uh, for UNICEF but we've also got a really good relationship with the data analytics team within UNICEF in New York. We've got their subject matter experts on working groups and helping us drive down to what are the problems that we want to address. Um, We've similarly got subject matter experts from the Scottish Government so we've got representation on our boards from Scottish Government but also within the working groups so people who are statisticians in the Scottish Government who work on population or people who advise on policy around obesity again sitting with those UNICEF guys virtually over the phone but talking about the issues and then the third partner being the University of Edinburgh we've got academic input on those working groups um, from the Usher Institute from the health side 
from geosciences, um, from informatics in terms of the data science capacity. So it's been about bringing those people together and trying to get the most out of what their areas of expertise are and getting them to collaborate, which is the whole aim of the game, really. So what's your, what's been your strategy then for enabling that collaboration? Because that's lots of different groups and it's hard to bring them all together. So, And you'll be learning as you go along, but what have you been testing out to, to try and make it work? So we first got everybody together in a workshop format in March where we really talked, brought it back to basics, tried to get everybody behind what the vision was, you know, told the Jude and Lucinda story of the background to it and talked about ways of working in terms of how will we get project ideas up and running and how will we know that they're right for the collaborative and right for us to press forward on. But having everybody in the room together forming those first face-to-face -face relationships and hearing the same story was a really important part to then be able to go and segment them off into their specialisms. So we split three working groups down into a nutrition focus, a population focus and a poverty focus as the three kind of key themes that we wanted to look at initially. And um, from having that good, everybody at the same starting point has allowed us to then have the conversations and build those relationships, just having fortnightly get-togethers, doing some brainstorming, filling in some specific questions and background information, but always driving forward to getting to some solid proposals that can go forward for approval from our boards. Okay, and yeah, you mentioned, so we've talked about funding bodies now set up, so operationally on the ground, how have you set yourself up? How's that going to evolve? And we've got some great supporters on the board as well. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. so setting up the governance was a big part of getting that legal agreement signed as well, making sure that each partner has this sort of equal representation and set of rights, I guess, in terms of the direction of travel for the collaborative. So early on, we managed to secure Stefan Verhulst as the chair of our main steering board. And Stefan is based in New York, has a really good working relationship with UNICEF already, but also runs an organization called GovLab, which has a lot of experience in bringing data collaboratives together. So his key um, strap line or mission is how do we use data for public good? And he's done a lot of work around how do we share data more openly? How do we understand who data owners are and what their responsibilities are? And that's the kind of GovLab angle, um, which is why his experience is invaluable, bringing that into the Data for Children collaborative. Um, and him as a chair is just a massive coup, to be honest. So within that steering group, we've got equal representation across UNICEF, the Scottish Government and the University of Edinburgh. And we're bringing in other expertise and thinking about those other board members that will add different styles of expertise that can really help us move forward from a strategy and vision point of view. So should we have someone from the private sector? We, we, have, we have an ethics representative already we're hoping that the new ethics um, chair for the University of Edinburgh will represent for that position. Should we have more childhood expertise in or is it about international development experience? So governance wise, we've got a strong 
team now behind all aligned in what our vision and strategy is and what our success factors are and underneath that we have a delivery support board which looks at the more operational activities on a month-to-month basis and supporting all of that we've got a framework that looks at how do we prioritize our projects what level of information does a governance body need to be able to say yes we approve that funding you know what are the risks what are the benefits how scalable is it how transferable is it what geographies is it going to impact because you've got a sort of a bit of a you've again you've got unicef university of edinburgh and scottish government and everybody wants to impact global children and scottish children so how do we get that portfolio and that balance right for everybody um so we've put we've put a lot of rigor and robustness around how we set ourselves up with these projects and how we get them approved We've also got a massive amount of work done on the ethics side and we're trying to forge ahead with that because it's not something that you see readily available that you can just pick off a shelf from somewhere and have ready on such a sensitive topic as data for children. Okay, well let's come back to ethics in a minute. You mentioned three specific topics that you're looking at project-wise. Do you want to give us an overview of what those are and the types of things you're looking to achieve? Yep, so um, from a nutrition point of view, we we have our eyes longer term set on a, a massive amount on nutrition, malnutrition, stunting. But initially we're focusing on obesity because we feel We've got a lot of data within Scotland from a health data point of view on obesity. You know, it's a problem in Scotland. So if we can address it here and globally, then that that would be really great for the collaborative being based here. Um, we've got two projects which we are initialising on that. One using some data on an existing cohort survey that's done in Scotland. Uh, that will look to correlate other factors and understand risk factors around obesity. And another which is looking at what data can inform us on overweight and obesity. And this is actually looking at a lot of different types of data sets. So we've got routine health data, education data, but all the way down to what novel digital data exists. So social media apps, Instagram, um, uh, advertising, does this data help to inform us about overweight and obesity. So it's a bit of a data audit, if you like, but being able to map that across the Scottish data landscape will then help us to then drive forward with some of the future initiatives that we can do in the area. So that's where we've got to with the nutrition side of things. From a population working group area, we've got two projects which we're initialising as well. One is on computer vision and using satellite imagery to understand housing types, housing structures, so identifying um, a detached house or identifying a yurt or identifying a slum and being able to use um, an algorithm to map effectively what housing types are and therefore understand where your population is. And if you can get down to a level of understanding your characteristics of population like where are your pregnant mothers, where are your under ones, where are your under fives, then that means UNICEF can target their vaccination interventions a lot more efficiently and effectively. So that's one project and the other is looking at real-time population, so again using satellite imagery, but trying to understand population and population movement in a much more periodic way 
again so that people on the ground in UNICEF are better able to do their day job. The third theme we were talking about was poverty and we've got a project there that we're looking at how easy or hard is it for children that are living in poverty to access services like clinics and education. So using a combination of household surveys and uh, satellite imagery to understand routes and the fastest routes. So are people walking across land? Are they getting a bus? How, how easy is it for them to get to school? And is that why, if they're not able to get to school, is that why they're staying in poverty? And being able to time series that over a number of years will give us more information and understanding to, to influence policy in those places. Great. So an amazing amount of projects already. Yes. Um, is, is the pattern that we try it out in Scotland with data sets in Scotland and then apply it into the wider globe or how is that kind of fitting? So is that, it different per, that will different be the case for some of them. So particularly mm -hmm. the obesity one will look at Scotland as a landing bed with then with transferability. So actually on obesity, the, the thinking is at the moment, let's try it in Scotland and then how transferable is it to China? Because China has recently had a massive spike in overweight and obese in urban areas. So we have uh, this sort of ma map out of where would your proof of concept be and then where would it get to? Whereas some of those other projects, we're looking at places like Cote d'Ivoire for an HIV project that we're looking at or we're looking at Chad and Mozambique for some of the satellite imagery stuff. So there is some rationale behind why we're choosing where we're choosing. It tends to be where that data is best available or relationships already had with government and the UNICEF office on the ground. And that kind of drives our method and our pattern of rollout, basically. Fantastic. So back to the ethics piece. Yes. So how have you tried to tackle that? Obviously, I mean, ethics in general is right up there being discussed and everything that's happening in data, but... Uh, absolutely important to everything we're doing with children as well. So how have you started to embed that in the work that you're doing in the collaborative? So um, initially, I've talked to obviously the three partners, first of all, because they've got the expertise within their area. So UNICEF have got this great ethics team in Florence in their Innocenti um, office. And they've done an awful lot of work on ethics for children, ethics in research for children and they've um so that's been a really great sort of bed to to start from um as well as edinburgh university have got an awful lot of expertise here within each school they've all got an ethical protocol of how they go through research and, and what they need to pass within the schools so that was the the start of looking at how how do we think about ethics but I think from the collaborative's point of view our key thing is if we're going to have lots of individual projects running with lots of people coming in and working on that project for three months six months nine months how do we make sure that we've got something that's accessible and understandable and very operational from a project point of view so from that point, we then commissioned a piece of work with a new startup consultancy called Ethical Intelligence, uh, which was actually born out of the University of Edinburgh, some students um, looking at it from a multidisciplinary point of view. And they did two months of work to generate uh, what was termed at the time as an ethical charter and an ethical protocol for us, and is now 
at the other end of that become a compass that guides us, a set of guiding principles, a roadmap that each project has a a roadmap to get through, a start, a during and a finish roadmap, and a highway code that supports it so that once you're on your roadmap, you can refer to highway code in terms of what the guidelines for answering these questions to get you through your journey. Um, And so those um, artefacts have been produced and then disseminated across the partners for review and feedback. And I like to thinking of like to think of them as living documents that we will keep improving over time and I've kind of got a vision of can we get people to do a driving test to then be able to use the roadmap that says that they've got the basics and they can now go and answer those questions or do we have something in the event of a road traffic accident where something's gone wrong how do we stop and reflect and look at that but the the artifacts that we do have and the answers that it gives us in terms of being an assessment for each project. The aim is not to just be a tick box exercise, but to make project leads and people involved in the project really stop and think, well, what is the broader impact here? What could be some of the negative impacts that I might have? Because I'm just thinking of the good news story that could come out of this if it was success. So that's been really key and an underlying thread is not a tick box exercise, but actually making people think differently. Okay, great. And what, what we didn't cover at the start was the, the duration of the project. So at the moment, the runway is for two years, is that right? It's, three, it's funded for three, three. years. Um, and we have a sort of small, medium, large term for projects. So three months, six months, 12 months is the forecast for a set of projects. But I think on some of the meteor projects, so we do have one on HIV that doesn't necessarily fit into any of our themes, but has come in as a project proposal that really suits with what we want to do. That is a very meaty project end to end. And to make it um, more manageable and achievable, we're going to just chunk it down into stages and make sure if we can get stage one done with the right people coming in to help us, and to support the project. Okay, right, now let's look at stage two. So is there something meaningful that we can output from stage one that would be of value to UNICEF or to the Scottish Government or to another third sector, public sector body? That's the kind of question we ask. And so at the end of that three years, I'll ask you both, you may have different perspectives. Um, At the end of that three years, what would you consider success for the collaborative? So part of the success for the collaborative will be being able to have those stories that Jude talked about Mm -hmm. in terms of approaching philanthropic organisations, have the stories to go out and get sustainable funding ongoing beyond the three years, and that might be through philanthropy, through private sector organisations, through being able to sell on some methodologies that we uncover, um, and maybe through grants and other funding opportunities that come in. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one key success criteria, and that can only come from success from the project. So that obviously success of the projects and impact to children is what we're looking for, yeah. and that, but those go hand in hand with the sustainable piece. Yeah, and I think we need to make the impact before the three years so we're looking at particularly in the bite-sized chunks to do with the project so we met with some data scientists last week from a big oil and gas company that they've got specific skills around uh, one of the the projects that they could help work on and they could 
potentially deliver it within two to three months um, part-time as long as you know they're going back in to make a pitch which they think will be absolutely fine because covered CSR it also gives them a different element to their role and stuff as well rather than working on as they see run-of-the-mill oil and gas projects something that they can make a difference to in their working life. At the end of three years I'd love to take my kids out to some of the areas particularly when you're reading some of the data that's coming in and the stories that are coming in from some of the projects that we know we're so lucky in this world and particularly the, the HIV project when you're imagining the lives of some of these kids and what they've had to go through from the age of 10 and how they've caught HIV and stuff as well that you're going our kids are so lucky that I would actually love to go out and visit some of these areas and know that we've made a difference to these kids and UNICEF have as well. Fantastic. Um, so you mentioned this has been going for three years and a lot of people talk about data for good and think they can just click their fingers and yeah. it's easy, right? So I think you guys are demonstrating it's not easy and there's, there's a lot of things to go through. So I guess some questions for both of you would be, uh, because you're both learning along the way, what has been... Well, let's start with Alex. What's been the biggest challenge so far since you've stepped in? So I think up until this stage, I've got a vision of what my next big challenge will be. But up until this stage, there's been two real challenges. One is around getting three organisations who come from very different worlds, Mm -hmm. third sector, public sector and academia, to all come together and it was easy to have a shared vision, but the the underlying how do we get there and how do we work together, I think that's been a challenge in just getting those three large organisations running in the same direction. Um, and I think the other challenge has been actually generating what the project proposals has been. So it's quite blank canvas to say, if we could access any data, what would we do with it and why would we do it? And, and we could we have a lot of expertise in the area talking about problems on those three topics but actually drilling it down to something that you can hold on to and have a tangible output at the other side has been tricky and again it's three organizations different angles different ways of working but getting down to those project proposals was quite challenging but we're now there as you can hear from the examples so uh, so i'm pretty pleased that we've got there on both of those but I need to drill down on this, so you can't just say that and not explain how you've done it. <laughs> so, so what's the secret sauce in bringing three very so, separate groups together and then start to become successful? Because ultimately, we see that pattern across the world. People are trying to do this, and it's not easy. So, what have you found have been the tactics that have worked think, and equally haven't worked? I think the key on some of it is respecting what does each of those organisations yes. bring. Yeah. So, for quite a lot of it. We've been very respectful of it being a collaborative and making sure that it's like equal, equal, equal all the time. And at some stages, we've got to a point where I've maybe said, you know what, let's just get UNICEF to do that. They're the childhood problem experts. Let, let them run with it and come back in and pitch ideas. So in likewise, we might get to a stage where we're trying to think about, okay, how do we turn this insight into action for policy? And that's where the Scottish government would take a lead. So it's, it's got to be about respecting where your skill set lies and leaning on that organisation more for particular things. 
um, and and let, getting the other two organisations to let that happen. You know, that's okay if we're not all in that meeting. That that's okay. Let's let that run and come back in and share the information. So I think that's probably been one of my key learnings is is trying to leverage specifics. Yeah. Great. Jude, and you? Um, I wouldn't want to put anybody off a date for a good project. We probably chose the most difficult thing in the world to do. So there, there are easier ways to do data for good. So it doesn't have to be as complex as this, but if we're going to go for it, why not? Um, I think the biggest learning is you are not going to please everybody because of the amount of people who are very strong-willed and strong-minded because they share the same vision for you. Not to let politics get involved and to remind people when we're still having these discussions that pe- children are hurting and dying still in the world. And the longer we have the discussions and the long protracted meetings and legal meetings and stuff that we're wasting time on this um, and bringing people back to reality about why we're doing it. What was the original thing? It was to solve very complex problems that face children around the world on a daily basis and using data to do that, which and also to, to not to go too hard on ourselves either. It's a first. It's a big thing to do. It's a first thing that, you know, there's nobody can say this is the way they've done it before. You know, Stefan is fantastic. He's a very, very realistic person and has reminded us of that as well. The, you know, the agreement has only been signed four weeks or something now and we've made really good progress and we have been working on the scenes pulling all this together all the ethics stuff and everything has all been going on in the background so we've we've achieved a lot and we need to remember we've all had our day jobs as well as doing this as well so yeah there's easier ways of doing data for good but let's do it big here in the data lab fantastic so um i was going to ask well you've covered what have you learned i guess mm-hmm. what about yourself Alex, we've talked about challenges, but you stepped into this call that was kind of set up. What, what have you learned along the way so far? Well, I think uh, kind of to Jude's point around politics and cutting through some of that, that's always mm-hmm. something you have to learn to do better and to do more of as in most jobs and in most of these organisations. So I guess by building up those relationships across um across the partners and across other organizations i i've learned to be a little bit more direct and mm-hmm. uh to sort of wade past a few of the the gripes and groans i guess um and i think what i've learned in terms of me coming into the data lab um from rbs is around the potential that sits there with data science and really there it's untapped potential in what we can do to help children and just some of the examples that we've talked about around issues and data and being able to link them together it's almost you know in unscalable in terms of what can be done it's just getting the right people in the right room and having the right conversations and that can take a while to find out who those people are but once you've got them those conversations happen so well and so easily that it just shows it's the it's the collaboration that's going to make it happen. Yeah, and I think from what you said, just learning while you've been talking, actually, it's fundamentally it's about bringing it back to the mission of what you're yeah. doing. Yeah. And I, I, um, the thing that came into my head as you were speaking, Jude, was people talking at cross purposes or whatever in a meeting room, and then you suddenly talk about the impact of a child, and then the room just kind of stopping. Yeah. I don't know, was there reactions like that when you, or how did people react if you kind of silence? Yeah, it's 
because you know when it was last week and I was sitting there reading that we get the data there's nothing fancy about the reports we get in from Africa about the, the, the AIDS uh, project and stuff and when you're reading it you, you actually feel like somebody's kicking you in the stomach because you're going our kids they're all they're worried about at the moment is are they going to get an iPhone 11 for Christmas there's a 10 year old being forced into a marriage with maybe some man in his 40s who's already infected 40 young children with AIDS in some country that that still is allowed to go on you know and there's thousands of stories of these kids that data that people can't reach and that's what we're trying to do is say where do you where do you put the efforts into doing it and I think it's that then as a sobering and then when you present that stuff you're going to the companies that say that they want to help you're going will this scare people off but it actually doesn't because they're going you know this is happening around the world and we can help solve this we can go out and do a 10k and raise 400 pounds for somebody if we're lucky but people have got they're fed up getting asked for money to do runs and stuff like that if we can give I think data scientists have got so much to give if they can help with stuff like this and that's what you need to keep reminding people their skills their brains can help these children that have got no voice in the in in the world that they live in but there's somebody in Scotland reading about their stories fantastic well it's absolutely amazing project it's Amazing to have it based in Scotland and doing all the work around the world. I guess one of the things to share for people listening to this would be how do they connect and understand what's happening? So what channels are you using and how do people keep up to date with all the great stuff that's happening? So we do have a website that is now up and running, uh, which is dataforchildrencollaborative.com. We also have a Twitter feed and a LinkedIn handle, all called Data for Children or Data for Children Collaborative in one flavor or another. Um, So there's an ability to uh, contact us via the website, um, but also obviously via LinkedIn or Twitter as well. And we're not afraid to ask. So we put out the call a few weeks ago for geospatial uh, data scientist skills. And we got thousands of people coming back worldwide saying that they wanted to, and we couldn't handle all of the (laughs) things, but we've got a good, good uh, bank of people now that we can call on. So, we will, we won't, we're not afraid to ask. Yeah. We're not afraid to pull this together. That's, we're not afraid to ask. That's not the first time or the last time yeah. we'll do that. Do that. That's, no. uh, we'll, be, we'll be doing that again. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like you need some data science to uh, match those volunteers to your projects. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> need an Excel spreadsheet, but I can cut it. <laughs> and I think there's one thing as well that we need to, to, to pass on our thanks, thanks as well is to the team at the Data Lab as, you know, Everybody believed in this right from the start. And I remember saying to Gillian as well, is it okay that we do this? And she was just kept on walking and talking and going, yeah, I believe in it. And that's been from everybody that we spoke to that, what was it going to be a success? We were going to get the funding, but everybody put their heart and soul into making sure that this was successful. It wasn't just us. Yeah. Yeah, And that's ongoing. Ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Well, fantastic. Thank you very much. Thanks for your time and good luck with everything as it moves forward. Thank Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.